0: today as it was for the man that wrote the original song Rich Mullins um, and for many others who have followed. This morning we continue on our series uh, on the gospel in life and we look at a a subject that I'll be honest when people hear that we're going to talk about this they don't usually get real excited to hear because we're going to look at the concept of idolatry and it's not something that often makes us comfortable, yet as you read the scriptures, it is one of the things God warns against time and time and time and time again. So would you open your Bibles this morning to Jeremiah chapter 13? Uh, We're going to look at a a passage you might not always equate with idolatry right off the bat, and you might wonder why, but we'll get there, I promise. So would you rise with me as we read the scriptures together? You could follow along as I read them out loud, but uh, I think it's good for us to get our, our brains and our blood flowing this morning as we consider God's Word as we deal with this. The Word of the Lord says, This is what the Lord said to me. Go and buy a linen belt and put it around your waist. So I bought a belt, as the Lord directed, and it put it around my waist. Then the Word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the belt you bought and are wearing around your, around your waist and go now to parath and hide it there in a crevice in the rocks so i went and hid it at parath as the lord told me many days later the lord said to me go now to parath and get the belt i told you to hide there so i went to parath and i dug up the belt and took it from the place where i had hidden it but now it was ruined and completely useless then the word of the lord came to me this is what the lord says In the same way, I will ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. These wicked people who refuse to listen to my words, who follow the stubbornness of their hearts and go after other gods to serve and worship them will be like this belt, completely useless. For as a belt is bound around a man's waist, so I bound the whole house of of Israel and the whole house of Judah to me, declares the Lord, to be my people for my renown and praise and honor. But they have not listened. Lord, it is easy to put all sorts of really good things before you. It is easy to put all sorts of really lousy things Before you, And I ask your forgiveness in the front end for the many times that I do that myself. But I pray that as we walk through this message today, that your words would speak loud and clear, that we could all say unashamedly, all we have is yours. That we know that we have listened to you and we've responded to your word and the glory that we try to take for ourselves goes back to you where it belongs. And so, Lord, open our hearts, teach us, soften us, and renew us today. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm fully aware that not all of you in this room are Americans, but I am, and I've, I grew up as one, and I grew up going to school learning a little ditty. It went something like this. In 1492... Columbus sailed the ocean blue and you know who knew that first a Canadian well done Now the interesting thing is today. I believe in in America is Columbus Day And here's what I was taught as a child uh, in primary school about Christopher Columbus He's the guy that discovered America not exactly true. He discovered some islands off the coast of America Second, he was fearless and an amazing explorer. And of his three ships, they had to sacrifice a couple of them and they all got on one and it was amazing. And wow, this guy should have his own holiday. So in, 19, in the 1930s, Pre- President Roosevelt, along with the Knights of Columbus, established October 11th of every year, roughly there, to be Columbus Day, a day when we remember Christopher Columbus. Columbus. And we take great pride over the years of honoring this man. There's just one problem with our hero. He was a horrible, horrible, horrible human being. And by the way, he also didn't discover America. If you go back 500 years before him, Leif Erikson landed. And if you go back a couple thousand years before that, uh, other people from all the way over on this side of the world were known to have made it in dugout boats. And we're not not exactly sure when, but their DNA matches those of Samoan and Guinean descent. So in no way did Christopher Columbus actually discover America. But even more, this hero that we've grown up honoring wasn't, such a great guy listen to some things that we find about christopher columbus he would supervise the sale of native girls there in the the little island that he did quasi discover Aged nine and ten he would sell them into sexual slavery because that's what his sailors and his workers liked best it's not very heroic if you ask me but it's the man we've said is, is worthy of having his own holiday. In fact, he casually wrote about this in his journal, say a hundred Castellanos are as easily obtained for a woman as for a farm. And it's very general and there are plenty of dealers who will go about looking for those girls. Those from nine to 10 are now in demand. Said it casually, like it was just a transaction, just what he was going about. He would force the natives in the country that he had discovered, to work in his gold mines until they died of exhaustion. Or even worse, if they didn't die, but they didn't find enough gold dust, what he would do to them? He would cut their hands off and hang them around their neck to remind people they had to work hard enough. When he got there, it was estimated roughly 3 million natives lived in the country. Within 50 years of his landing, they were down to 60,000. They had been killed, they had been enslaved, and they had been shipped out. And now they say that they're not sure any natives are left in that land. Within 20 years, all this happened. And not within 50 years, not a single native inhabitant could be found. You see what happens sometimes is we can prop up something that in our own eyes looks so good, so compelling, and on the surface so right That we forget to dig deeper, to look at the motives and reality of that which we exalt. Americans like to honor Christopher Columbus, and maybe as many cities and states are beginning to do, we should probably get rid of of Christopher Columbus Day and have Native American Day, or Leif Erikson Day, or I don't know what Leif Erikson did as far as humanity is concerned. But it is very easy for us to misplace our trust to find heroes and people that are time and again letting us down because we've lost sight of the one true God and we have exalted substitutes in the process Well, what happens when we do that is that we lose sight of the gospel itself. Remember, this whole series as you go about in your community groups is called The Gospel in Life. The gospel has relevance and meaning in every area of our lives. The good news of Jesus Christ is powerful, transforming, and to be lived out. You can't just have one of those without the other two. It is powerful. It cuts to the heart of all of the junk in our lives and draws us back into right relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, inviting us into an eternity in which we are enjoying the glory of God and we are giving praise back to him and we are set free from the bondage of sin. It is life-changing. We live differently when we have been exposed and transformed by the power of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, empowered through the Holy Spirit working in us to teach us, convict us of sins, and renew us day by day. And it's to be lived out. If we hide out in here, there's a world right out there that is not getting the message of God's renown that we, His people, our challenge to give that's the good news of Jesus Christ he changed our lives and he invites us to tell others about who he is but what happens is we get distracted we're dealing with some adventures in our family that have caused Melissa and I to look at my history of what I was like as a child because as a parent you often see traits of yours in your children right Well, you don't always remember all the gory details about yourself when you were a little kid. You just remember the fun you had. Well, as we look back and as we talk to my mom and dad, we've discovered some very interesting things about myself. At the top of that list was my mom saying, Mike, if they talked a lot about ADD when you were a kid, you had it. (laughs) To which I replied, What were we talking about? I am easily distracted. That's why when I study, I put headphones on and listen to classical music so that I can't hear everything going on around me. Why do I like to study in places like Starbucks? Not for the great coffee because the coffee's just okay, but I like it because all of the noise around me has nothing to do with me. If I'm in my office, I hear all the other conversations and want to know what's going on. In the same way in our Christian lives, we can be so easily distracted by all that's going on that we forget the truth found right here in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words. This is the beginning of the Ten Commandments. And notice that most of the commandments are just a phrase or a sentence. But yet the first two take up six verses. Only four could I fit on the screen. But you can follow along and go all the way to verse 6. And he says, and God spoke all these words. He starts with the foundation of who we are, or his. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Okay, I have done that. Now let's just think about what it meant to be freed and set free from slavery. Slavery is not just a moderate kind of easy going The Israelite people were being killed under the hard task of labor. They were dying under the Pharaohs. They were suffering terribly. And God set apart one man to show his people the way forward. And he called him and he used him. But God did all the work. God was the one that parted the Red Sea. God was the one that parted the Jordan River. God was the one that brought Jericho down. God was the one that fed his people. All of these things were God's work, not Joshua's, not Moses, not anybody else. They were the work of God. And he says right here, I am the Lord, your God. You shall have no other gods before me. If you've got a Bible, underline that word before. Because it's very significant. He's not saying there's existence of other gods in the theistic realm. There is only one God. And he is to be worshipped, praised, adored, glorified. And our seeking of renown should be for him, not for ourselves. But we can make gods out of all sorts of other things. And look what he says next. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth below, beneath, or in the waters below. In other words, be very careful, people of Israel, not to exalt the created things, Romans 1, if you're following along, over the creator. And there's a massive difference there. Because everything on this earth is created through the work of God. But nobody created God. He is. I am. He always has been. He is. And he always will be God. He sustained the people of Israel. He fed them. And he gave them a way and a means. That's why he gave us the books of Leviticus and parts of Exodus and uh, into Deuteronomy. He gave them a, a system that was to work to allow them to live fruitful lives. Not for their own good but so that the rest of the world might see God through the people of Israel and give glory to him for his renown. If you go back to Jeremiah 13, verse 11 is very clear. He says, So I bound the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to me, declares the Lord, to be my people for my renown and my praise and my honor. The people of Israel weren't just created to enjoy life. They were created to enjoy the life God had given them to be praising God and giving glory back to him. Idolatry in its very essence is choosing to give glory to something that is not God. So how do we define an idol? I I, I, want to stick with what Tim Keller talks about because I think he's right on. And he says... An idol essentially is anything more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning in life, or identity. What do you mean by that? Well, if you were to pause and ask yourself in the quietness of your heart, in order to be happy, and you fill in the blank with anything other than a right relationship with God the Father through the Son, then whatever that is has become an idol to you many things can bring you happiness but ultimate joy and ultimate fulfillment only comes through the exaltation of god in our lives okay well what else it means that we begin to serve created things rather than the creator let me read to you romans chapter 1 verses 8, or romans 1 25 you can start with verse 18 but we won't get all the way there sorry i'm slow today Verse 25 says, because of this, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is to be forever praised. It is so easy for us to look around. I love living in Hong Kong because as I've told you many times before, I like cars. (laughs) They're fun. I don't own a particularly fast car and that's wonderful. I shouldn't. That would be very bad. But I love looking at cars. Yesterday, uh, we were driving somewhere, or it was Friday, Friday, and I pointed out, and I said, Melissa, you gotta see that car. Every line on that car is meticulously planned, and it's just gorgeous. And she looked at me, and her response was perfect. She says, what? (laughs) What's the big deal? I said, it's a McLaren. It's gorgeous, and it didn't work. But see, I could begin to exalt cars, a created thing, and it's a magnificent creation in my opinion, but I can begin to think that somehow that created thing is done just by the work of a human hand and not through the creativity given them by God the Father. You see, I should be able to look at a car. I should be able to look at you. I should be able to look at the mountains that surround us and the sea, dirty as it might be, and think, wow, this is all the work of God. But what happens is we begin to serve creation rather than the creator. Verse 9 of Jeremiah 13 tells us that it was their pride that got in the way. And idolatry, 100% of the time, comes down to an issue of pride. Every single time, what happens is we begin to say, God, I don't need you. I've got this covered god you're not enough to help me with this now in our mind in our life we might not try to say that out loud but our actions continue to tell it an idol we're told tells us that we believe we can find our righteousness and our salvation somewhere other than god an idol tells us that god is optional but if we look around and i ask the question okay God has given us the ability to reason. He's given us free will for which I'm thankful. Sometimes, although sometimes I wish God would just make me do the right thing. I can relate to what Paul says. Why do I do what I don't want to do and why don't I do what I want to do? But yet we know ultimately that there's a longing in us for God that we've denied and we've put over on the side as a culture, right? And how's that working out? If we look around at the world we live in, there's more upheaval seemingly than there's ever been. Governments are unstable, ours included. Nations are at war with nations. They're just doing it in new and creative ways. There is genocide going on in parts of the world that break our hearts. The Ebola virus is spreading. Over 4,000 have died in the short time that it's really gotten out of hand. These are dark times, yet we continue to laud the God of self-sufficiency. But yet, we keep thinking that we could fix it on our own. Just like Judah. As God prophesied here, we refuse to listen to God. So what does God do? Well, he says these wicked people who refuse to listen to my words who follow the stubbornness of their heart and go after other gods to serve and worship them will be like me, like this belt, completely useless. Now, some of your translations, it says actually what's probably a much better translation than belt there, loincloth. I'm going to let you use your imagination on what that ultimately means. But I want to see if we can bring this metaphor, this parable into today's world, okay? What was happening to the people of Israel and Judah was they had exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Their pride had gotten in the way and idolatry had snuck in. And we can just say, well, we're okay. I haven't made any carved images. I don't have any Buddhas in my home. I don't have any golden calves. That was all Old Testament stuff. But beware, because anything that is placed over God himself can become an idol. What do I mean by that? I thought all week and I talked with the pastors, how do I illustrate this? And I thought maybe there's a simple way to do this in 21st century time because the same old sin can look a little differently today, but it's still the same old sin. You see, I look very good today, not gonna lie. I'm well-dressed. But if I looked at myself in terms of idolatry, let's think about what I'm wearing. I've got a sport coat on because a sport coat tends to mean that you're important that you've somehow become successful, that you somehow have some level of significance that you have to look well-dressed, right? I could easily be, continue to chase the idol of success because I have a suit on today and I've got this very nice sport coat. And, and I like it and I've earned the position. No, I haven't. By God's grace and your, I don't know, but you put faith in God that he would bring us in this journey together. But yet i'm supposed to seek first the kingdom of god and all his righteousness not success right well then i've got this tie and a couple of you already this morning said "Ooh, i like your tie, mike thanks so do i so i picked it out and if i began to read the papers and the fashion magazines which i don't but i do read the papers but i i, I might find that this style Is in season or this style is in season right now I have no idea but let's say it is and it looks nice and I'm very happy with it and I really want you to like it and I begin to worship the God of admiration you're starting to see where this goes and then you know, I've, I've shared before, I can wrestle with self-esteem and with acceptance issues because I was always small and skinny. Well, now as I'm into my late 30s and pushing 40, things are starting to settle in certain places. So I'm a little conscious of what I look like. And I've got this shirt on and I'm wondering, what do you think of my shirt? How's that gonna look? Are they gonna accept me? Do I look right enough? <laughs> well, and it doesn't stop there and we keep going. There are all these idols, sorry, this is taking longer than I thought. While we do that, I just broke my microphone. Let's just go ahead and be clear, the pants are staying on. But yet, We look at my pants and we go with the old idiom. Well, I'm the man in this household. I wear the pants in this. I've got the control, right? I wear the pants. (laughs) (laughs) We look at my shoes. Are they the right shoes? Are they comfortable? Because I wanna be comfortable in this life because it's all about my comfort. What could possibly go wrong if I don't have comfortable shoes? or if my air con breaks, or if, God forbid, I can't drive, I have to take public transport, or whatever the issues may be that hurt my personal comfort. Or we look at the most amazing shirt I have on of all. And I could place my trust in Batman, who's not even real. Or I could place my, my, my sincere security in my family. I love being a father and a husband. But the minute I place them over God, not only am I cheating myself, but I am cheating them and showing them that they are more important than God the Father who is in heaven. It's why when people talk to me about their families, I always ask that question. Are you asking us to entertain you and your family? Are you inviting us to invite your children and you and your brothers and your sisters and your grandfathers and grandmothers to invest in the lives of others and bear fruit? To get us away from entertainment, which would be represented by Batman. I love entertainment. I love movies. I love television shows, but that does not bring glory to God. But when it's all stripped away, we realize that we have allowed all these idols to get in the way of the renown and praise and honor of God. So how do we deal with that? Well, look at those traps again of idolatry. We've refused to listen to God's words. If we'd listened to his word, we wouldn't have gotten caught up in the idol of success, the idol of admiration, the idol of control, the idol of comfort, the idol of family. We wouldn't have lost sight of God in all of those things because those can be good things. But we refuse to listen to his word. And we begin to think that somehow we have become more important than God our Father who is in heaven because we're stubborn and much like a little child, we insist on doing it our own way. And then we go after other gods and we think that we will find happiness in a lot of money. We will find happiness in driving that right car. We will find happiness in finding the right job. You can enjoy those things and those can all be wonderful things. But they are not the most important thing. What do I mean? Well, if you would turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, you get a pretty good idea because when it's all off, now obviously I haven't taken it all off, I'm not down to a loincloth here, but when it's all off, listen to what the writer of Hebrews tells us. He says, therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the angels from on high see us. God himself sees us. Let us throw off, just throw it off, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How do we gain victory over idolatry? How do we begin to realize that God is more important than our job? That God is more important than our children? That God is more important than our money? Well, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Think about that. Where are our eyes focused on today? How do we battle idolatry when if we're honest with ourselves and you flip your notes over, you can see that there are so many ways we can get caught up. So let's talk about that. If you were with us last Sunday and you stayed for the prayer seminar, you got to hear Dr. Poon and his wife Lillian share some great ideas on considering how we can be freed from the bondage and slavery of sin. And I would say that no sin is more bondage-inducing than the sin of idolatry and the sin of pride. And so how do we fight those? What well, we look to the word, we read or eat the word. And we'll come back to what that means because it sounds kind of odd until you think about it. And then we meditate on it. We don't just read and think about it, but we get close and we enjoy the relationship that comes from meditation, not not the kind of far Eastern meditation where we just empty ourselves, but where we get into relationship with God and we pray his word and we just listen to him. And then we pray that very word and we do so with joy and with Thanksgiving. And we'll look at these verses one by one in a moment. And then spurred on by the teaching of God's word empowered by the Holy spirit. We live it out. We live out the good news of Jesus Christ that is told throughout the pages of this. It's pretty simple. If We do it if we turn our lives over to him. So let's think through this. How do I eat his word? How do I read it in a way that doesn't just? Bore me because sometimes we come in thinking God. I want you to wow me today and Already we have made the sin of idolatry right there. We have said God. This is about me What if when we opened the word of God, we said Lord I am here How can I see more of you today? And we put it about his glory and his way. Jeremiah said, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. And Jeremiah, man, tough life. For I bear your name. How do we know he bears the name of God? Well, if we go back to Genesis 1, we know that we were all created in his image. And when we're talking about swearing, as we realize, we remember that they were called, we are called to carry his name. So we bear that name of God. So when we read his word, we can find joy in its pages. We might find joy in the suffering that comes from realizing that our life needs to change as he convicts us and teaches us, but we can find freedom in him as we come back to him. And the Psalmist of 119 says, to meditate on it, to just take it with you and to embrace a relationship with God through his word all day long. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your very word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Sorry, clearly I memorized it in the old King James Version, but you get the idea. You see, when we're meditating on his word, when we're enjoying it, we've read it, we've studied it, and now we've gone deeper into his word. And we realize that he's guiding us. That his words are responses to difficult situations in life. That his words are guiding us when we don't have the answers. That his words let us know how to pray when we don't even have the words to pray. His words let us know there's meaning in this life when I can't make sense of it. We meditate on his word and we let him transform us. And then we let... His words guide our prayer. Because if you're like me, you grew up getting very used to saying, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this food. Please give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Does that sound about right? It's very easy for us to go through that pattern. Or we memorize someone else's prayer. But look look what Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians. Be joyful when? Always. And these are wonderful statements. Pray when? Continually, Does that mean I don't go to work tomorrow? Be, well, I'm a pastor, so that would actually be a good thing. But for all of us, wherever we find ourselves, we can be talking with God all the time. We can be listening to God. I'll never forget... The most tangible illustration I was ever given with this was I was a young teenager playing tennis And one of my coaches was a christian man that had been very successful He played professionally in germany and when he got to germany, he was struggling and he said mike You know what I had to realize I had to realize that even tennis was god's And it was all his and I had to trust that and he said, you know what I do before every point I played I asked that I asked god to help me glorify him and how I played that next point point." and I thought wow That's somebody that knows how to pray continually, even in a game that has little significance. Yet, you know, it was amazing as he came back. Many people came to know Jesus Christ while he was in Germany. Not because he was an amazing tennis player, but because of his life. Because he was devoted to the Lord in prayer all the time. When we pray we're focusing on God. We're praying His words, not just asking Him for everything. That comes later. But first, we're seeking Him. Then, we're listening. And you know what? As we do, we find joy in Him. Our circumstances may be tough, but God is bigger. Our reality may be a challenge right now, but God is bigger. And for this, we can give thanks in every circumstance. Because it's God's will for us in Jesus Christ. When we pray, we're turned to a completely different attitude, an attitude that draws us into a place of joy and a place of thankfulness. God doesn't promise that everything will be easy in life. In fact, He says you will have sorrow, you will have troubles of many kinds, you will be persecuted, you will suffer, but be joyful always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Victory over idolatry? Follow the word of God. Pray the word of God. And then live it out. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. If we love him, If we're drawn into him, we're eating his word, we're studying it, we're learning it, we're meditating on it, we're letting it change our behavior and how we live because of our love for him. We're praying the words of God and letting him guide our prayers. And we're living it out, out of love for him. It's not the other way around. I don't obey God to get more of his love. I obey God because he first loved me. Remember, as you talked about in your studies probably last week, we have been justified through the work of Jesus Christ. We are seen as right before God if we've believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and been washed by the blood of the Lamb. We've been set free. So we're not earning more of his love. We're saying, God, thank you for what you've already done. I want to follow where you're leading because it's the best way. Idolatry isn't turning away from something good. It's turning to what is the best. And that's a relationship with God our Father. There are many good things in this world that can take our attention off of He who is the greatest. Well, how do we deal with it? In your hearts, just like we talked about a few weeks ago, set apart Christ as Lord. And see, that's where we could stop, but we won't because... It doesn't stop there Peter continues He says always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience So that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander You see what happens as we begin to worship God our Father who is in heaven And we begin to let him wipe away the idolatry of this world. We can't help but proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, and we live it out, and we're prepared to give an answer because they're his answers, not our own. That deserves an amen. You could do better. No, that wasn't any better. But that's not all. For us, you could say, "Mike, thanks. I, I know I should do better, but I wrestle with how. And so this is what I'd like us to do to finish today. I'd like you to pull out and flip over your notes page and look on the back. I know the the font is small, but it's about the same size as the font in most of your Bibles. And if you need a bigger one, we can get you that later. But I'm going to read through these potential idols in life. And many of them, you'll notice, these are good things. But we can begin to exalt these good things over he who is great over he who deserves our renown and our praise and honor. And we can begin to give our praise, honor, and renown to the created thing rather than the creator. And so as we look at this list and the verses that go with us, and there are others that we couldn't fit onto this sheet, but I'd like you to be quiet before the Lord. And I'd like you to ask, God, am I holding back? Am I exalting my job more than you? Am I exalting money more than you? Am I exalting my kids more than you? Am I exalting my status more than you? Any of those things. Pray that as we go through this list. For some of us, it can be money and wealth. But the scriptures teach us whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Simply, my God shall supply all our needs according to his glorious riches. Or maybe you're so focused on that next promotion, that level of success you haven't achieved, that it's everything. It's at the neglect of your family. It's at the neglect of your joy. It's at the neglect of God. But seek first. His kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Maybe it's your family. Maybe you've unwittingly let your kids know they matter to you more than God. Their happiness is more important than dealing with the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lives and in our own lives. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Whose life are we living? Our families or God's? What about our possessions? But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of it. The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. What about entertainment, electronics, movies, celebrity status, all those things? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What about other people, celebrities, athletes, admirers, whatever? All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Why do we pray the word? Because it endures forever. You don't worship man, we worship God unless you are completely blinded to society, you know sexual temptation is everywhere. You know lust is everywhere. How do we fight that? Again, we pray the word. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to the word of God. It always comes back to him. What about happiness? We should pursue happiness, right? Yes, through the glory of God, not by our own intentions and on our own agendas. See, we consider it pure joys, my brother and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Our confidence, our happiness is in Him. We can worship this wonderful world God has created rather than the one that created it. They exchange the truth of God, the truth about God for a lie. And worshiped and served created things rather than the creator, who is what? Forever praised. We can even make a God out of religion, out of earning our salvation, out of good works. We can think that we've got to do all this and it becomes a bondage. We don't serve God out of love. We serve him out of obligation and we've missed the point. We think we're earning God's favor Instead, we should be drawing into the heart of him and obeying him out of love and out of joyful service to him. Paul says it so well, and this is a man that knew suffering. He said that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. What about other gods, other idols, other things that can creep into our lives? Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak. Eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear. Nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. What about control and confidence? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He will direct your paths. What about the Hong Kong specialty, time and busyness. Even Solomon understood for everything there is a time. For everything there is a season. And God is sovereign and to be in control. Do I understand how all the things are going on right now? No. Do I know how Occupy Central is going to finish up? No, he does. And I will trust in him. What about acceptance and self-esteem? Whose image are you made in? The image of Ben Affleck, Brad Pitt, or whoever else is pretty? Just guessing here. No, we are made in the image of God. And so we can know that we are his masterpiece, created by him for good works. So let me ask you today as we finish. Are our lives offered as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to him? Or are we busy worrying about all of these other things that are always supposed to filter through him? Our acceptance is found in him. Our righteousness is in him. Our time is his. Our children are his. Our money is his. Our power, our status, our success, they're all His. But, Mike, it's hard. How do I break the bondage of idolatry to sex, idolatry to family, idolatry to religion and good works and environment and happiness? Start simple. Pray the Word of God. Don't just pray, God, help me. Pray the Scriptures He's given us to help us. And remind yourself of them, meditate on them all day. When I am tempted, you've heard me say it time and again, and I was taught well early on, use verses to battle Satan. And so when I'm tempted, you know it full well. I scream out in my mind usually because it would be odd for others if I said it out loud. But 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized me except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. But when I am tempted, he will also provide a way out so that I can stand up under it. And I use that verse, and sometimes I will say it over and over and over again until my mind is fixed on God, not on the idol I am trying to build. Today, take this list home. Take the word of God home and say, Lord, take my life. Let it be holy, pleasing, Lord, to thee. I will use everything you have given me to bring glory, renown, and praise to you, knowing that that's the best way to live. Things of this world are passing away, but the greatness, the sovereignty, and the grace of God is here for all eternity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you invite us into a better life a life that we cannot save ourselves from but that you've given us your son and you've given us good news to follow you all the days of our lives. And so as we do that today, Lord, help us to stop to pause before you and consider, is there anything right now that is separating us from a whole relationship with you? And if there is, make it so heavy on our heart that we can't move until we've laid it before the altar of the cross and let you free us from it. Lord, we love you and we seek your renown, your glory, and your freedom. Amen.